talk to you from Ephesians chapter 6. Take your Bibles. Very, very, very familiar passage of Scripture this evening. And I'm going to talk to you from, I'm going to read verses 10 through 19. You can read it in the King James Version, but I'm going to read it from the Weymouth Version. W-E-Y-M-O-U-T-H, okay? And this is what it said. In conclusion, strengthen yourselves in the Lord and the power of which his supreme might imparts. Put on the complete armor of God so as to be able to stand firm against all the stratagems of the devil. For ours is not a conflict with mere flesh and blood, but with the despotisms and the empires and the forces that control and govern this dark world the spiritual host of evil arrayed against us in the heavenly warfare. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that ye may be able to stand your ground on the day of battle and having fought to the end to remain victors on the field. Stand therefore, first fastening round you the girdle of truth, and putting on the breastplate of uprightness, verse 15, as well as the shoes of the good news of peace, a firm foundation for your feet. Verse 16, and besides all these, take the great shield of faith on which you will be able to quench all the flaming darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray with unceasing prayer and entreaty on every fitting occasion in the Spirit. And be always on the alert to seize opportunities for doing so with unwearied persistence and entreaty on behalf of all God's people. And ask on my behalf that words may be given to me so that, outspoken and fearless, I may make known the truths hitherto kept secret of the good news. I will go back and I'll read the 16th verse in the King James Version because this is what Paul said in writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, above all, everybody say with me, above all, taking the shield of faith. Come on, say it with me, taking the shield of faith. Tonight I'm going to talk about the shield of faith and what the shield does and what it's all about. I read a story, I read a story some time ago uh, in a book called Spiritual Warfare. It was a guy by the name of Ray Steadman and he, he told this little story. Let me give it to you in the outset of what I have to say. He said Robert the Bruce was king of Scotland from 1306 to 1329. And early in his reign, King Edward I of England invaded his nation, defeated his army, and forced him into hiding. And while on the run, Robert the Bruce took refuge in a cave. The story said, completely disheartened, the Scottish king lay by a fire in the cave, ready to resign himself to complete defeat and loss of his kingdom. But then... In the flickering firelight, he noticed a spider on the cave wall. Spinning a web, the spider repeatedly 
attempted to secure the web, then failed. Attempted again, then failed. But finally, the spider was able to anchor the web, making it strong and secure. And in the persistence of the spider, the Scottish king saw a metaphor of his own struggle against this English invader. And he decided he would not allow himself to be defeated by past failures. He had to continue the fight for the freedom or for Scottish freedom. And Robert the Bruce left the cave, led his troops across the field of battle, and defeated the English invaders at the Battle of Bannanockburn in 1314. He continued to persevere for the next 14 years until he finally won Scottish independence in 1328. And it all started with the persistence of a spider. You see, being a spiritual person or a godly man or woman in this generation is a war that is unceasing. It never stops. It's day and night. It's every day that you get up. It's every night that you go to bed. A man by the name of Thomas Manton said this, A Christian's life is a warfare, and we cannot discharge the duties of it without a battle or conflict. We must fight for the good that we would do, that they that think this unnecessarily scarcely know what Christianity is. Christianity is war. Did you hear me? Well, I thought this was all love and peace. Honey, it is spiritual warfare. It is day and night. And there are three primary battlegrounds that we have to show vigilance to in order to succeed in our Christian walk with God. The first one is called the world. The next one is called your flesh. And the third one is called the devil. In those three areas, we must be vigilant not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, not just every other day or every other week or when we feel like it or don't feel like it. But if you're going to live a victorious life for God, you're going to have to get up every day and walk and understand that the world and your flesh and the devil is your enemy, and the only way to win is to have the things that God gives us in the Word of the Lord. Amen? So temptations arise in the path of every man who's called to serve God. We know that. We've studied that many times. And uh, temptations can do several things. First of all, they can drive you to your knees in prayer that you gain comfort from the Lord in the midst of the battle. Temptations are necessarily uh, are necessary to us because it tempers the edge of pride from us in being proud of what we've we've gained or what we conceive that we've gained and maybe sometimes we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Temptation helps conform us to the image of Jesus because as he was tempted, guess what? 
you're going to be tempted. No disciple is above his Lord. And Jesus himself suffered and went through temptation. Amen? Temptation brings patience to us. We can be fierce and severe on the falling of others, but when we're brought to mind that those same temptations are about to capsize our own soul and take us hostage, sometimes we need to back up and say, wait a minute, let's be patient with one another. It's easy to, to mete out judgment to everybody else and not do it to yourself. I didn't hear, I heard a few amens, but let me tell you, I want to say it again. It's easy to mete out judgment to everybody else and not do it towards yourself. But I got a scripture that said if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Amen. So there's great value and strength that comes from being in this spiritual battle. And you may not enjoy it when it bears down on you and you're in the rough and the heat of the battle, but the facts are, when it's all said and done, then we understand why God put us where we were, and why we went through what we went through. Amen? We, we can look back and see what He's done, but sometimes we can't see it in the heat of the battle. I, I've been through some things, I thought, God, where, I was like, Job, where are you? I can't find you. But when I came out on the other side, I realized he was there all the time. He was taking care of every footstep. You see, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27 that we should neither give place to the devil. And that's, a, that's a very powerful scripture in our lives as, as good Christian people. Neither give place to the devil. Can you just say that with me? Neither give place to the devil. You can't afford to give the devil any room in your life. And especially if you have been brought out of something or delivered from something in your past. You know what, you know what Paul said? He said, if I build again the things I once destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If you laid it down for God, you better leave it alone. You better not even dabble there. Amen? So you can't afford to give the devil any place. He doesn't just, he does not just instruct us in that scripture not to give place to the devil, but he puts, he, he, he gives us instructions with, with parameters, and he tells exactly what the, what the church needs to look out for. In, in the 25th verse, before that scripture, he says this, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. In the 26th verse, he said, Be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down on your wrath. And then he said, Neither give place to the devil. But he didn't stop. In verse 28, he said, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good that he may have to give him that needeth. Now, when I, when I said he he, he gave us instruction in how to deal with the things of this world. He didn't, he didn't name everything. And this is not all-inclusive. Everybody's not a liar. Everybody's not a thief. Everybody's not lazy. But I tell you what he, he, he approached. He approached lying. 
He approached excessive anger. He approached stealing. And he approached laziness. And he said, neither give place to the devil. Amen? So the devil will uh, he'll use every trick, every deception, every wile, every tool he can to get people of God to fall. Everything he can throw at you. I mean, he's giving it his best shot. Get ready for it. He's going to give it his best shot. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and now, but, but we still have responsibility, even though the Lord saved us and put his spirit in us, we, we have to, Paul said, you've got to mortify your flesh. Does anybody know what mortify means? Everybody say with me, kill it. He's saying you've got to kill your flesh and, and don't give any room to lead us into those sinful things that, that are in this book. Let me give you a little scripture. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, if you'll put it up, Brother Tommy. He said, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He said, mortify yourself. Mortify the members of your body. Kill that stuff in you. In case you don't know it, that's not easily done. That's not easily done. Romans chapter 6, Paul said this. He said in verse 12, he said, let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And verse 13, he said, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, I'm getting to where I'm going. I'm going to talk about the shield of, the, uh, the shield of faith in just a few minutes, but I want you to see what we're dealing with every day. Every day of our life, you get up, it's a struggle. It's a constant battle. You've you got you to gotta strap on your armor, and you've got to go to war every day. You can't get caught without your armor. You get caught without your armor, the devil is going to take advantage of you. Amen. So then he said, above all, I want you to notice what he said, above all, I had you repeat it with me in, in Ephesians 6, 16. He talked about what, what armor we need to put on. And then he said, above all. Now, I want, I want, to, I want to break this down a little bit tonight because there's some who have mistakenly come to believe that the shield of faith is the most important of all implements of war listed in Ephesians chapter 6. When he said above all, that doesn't mean that's better than anything else. They may even infer that, that the other pieces of armor are not important if you have faith. Some people, you know, they, they, faith is just this magical thing. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. But to have faith, I have faith that I can step off of this platform. But until I take a step, honey, it ain't working. And another step, and another step, when you get in your car tonight to go home, guess what you have when you hit the key? Faith. 
But I guarantee you this. I'm going to challenge you. Go get in your car tonight and say, you know what? I just believe that I'm going to get home in this car tonight. You just sit there and say that. Don't put a hand on the key. Don't put your foot on the brake. Don't do anything. Just sit there and say, I believe. That's called dead faith. Because James said this, faith, oh, you know where I'm going. Come on, say it with me. Faith without works is dead. Faith is saying, I believe I can get back up here. And this is faith right here. Faith is getting back up here. But, but, but we, we've got this, some people have this great notion that they don't need any of the other armor if they got a little faith. But let me, let me explain it even better. From, from Ephesians 6, 11, we find the command to put on the whole. It's a command to put on the whole armor of God. So you've got to be fully suited, immersed, totally covered by the uniform that God gives every Christian. And the words, when he comes to his 16th verse, above all, really give us the meaning that we are to be able to position the faith over all the other pieces of armor. Faith should cover the breastplate and the helmet and the sword. you got to take every piece of armor in faith. So above all, covering it all, your faith is to be out front to cover everything else you're doing because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 and 6. Amen. Now, we can also take that word taking, that word in the 16th verse. He said, above all, taking the shield of faith. Taking from the Greek meaning gives us the understanding of this, that we can either take it up or put it down. Let me tell you something. You can lose faith. You can pick up faith, and you can put down faith. You believe that? How many of you know that some days you're stronger in your faith than other days? Circumstances make a difference in your life sometimes because we're all human. Amen? But, but, but we have to take that shield of faith above all and cover everything else that we've, we had. The, the plain meaning of that is that our shield of faith can be picked up or it can be put down because he said taking the shield of faith. There's a further meaning that, that needs to be stressed here in, in this lesson, and let me give it to you tonight, that, that your faith can be discarded totally or completely, and you can lose faith, and then you are susceptible to the, the wiles of the devil and the things that he's going to throw at you. By all means, you've got to pray every day in faith and keep your faith because it's the, it's the armor that God gives you to withstand the wiles of the devil. A Roman soldier would never, never have gone into battle without a sword. Now, now stay with me here. It was, a, it was his guarantee that he had some, something to fight with and some kind of protection. Your faith is just that important. It's a shield. It's a shield. You know what a shield is? Let, I'm going to give you some, well, let me, let me give you some scripture before I go where that's at. See, 1 Timothy 1 and 18, Paul said to Timothy, he said, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, 
that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. There's that word again. But notice what the first two words of verse 19 is. Look at this. It's on the screen. Everybody say that with me. Holding faith. He said, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made, which some have put away concerning faith, having made or have made shipwreck. In other words, when you don't hold faith and a good conscience, you're about to have a shipwreck. You know why folks get shipwrecked in their life? Because they don't hold faith. You got to stand firm in your faith. I've heard people say, well, what faith are you? Honey, there's not but one faith. One Lord, one faith. That's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's faith in the Word of God. Faith in the truth that we find in the Word of God. Faith that gets away will soon lead to shipwreck in your life. Now, let me talk about that shield for a moment. Because then, then Paul said, taking the shield of faith. The shield that a Roman soldiers were equipped with, I, I did a little study and I was, I, was, I was just looking at this like it really is. The shield that a Roman soldier was equipped with was called in the Greek word T-H-U-R-E-O-S. You say it however you want to. But it was about the size of a door and it even resembled a door. And there were smaller shields that were round, and they were called in the Greek ASPIS. Okay? But Paul did not use that word. He used T H U R E O S. And this is what he was saying it's a large shield. The shield that the Roman soldiers had had a wooden frame, but it had leather or leather that had been sewn and then pulled very tight over that wooden frame. And the soldier, watch me now, he had to daily anoint that leather with oil. He was responsible for keeping his shield pliable. Because if he didn't, the reason he did it was because that leather would remain supple and resistant to the piercing attacks of weapons that would come against him in the battle. But if, if it began to crack and began to break, then it wasn't much shield. When I read that, I thought, my Lord, we talk about a shield. You want to talk about it being a shield of faith? Let me tell you, it can be big as a door, but the key is the anointing that comes to the leather. The anointing that comes upon your life. And when you get the anointing oil and you put it on you every day. I'm not talking about literally. I'm talking about the anointing of the Holy Ghost. When you live an anointed life. When God anoints you with the power of the Holy Ghost daily. That's why Paul said I got to die every day. Because you got to get anointing every day. Get it when you get up in the morning. Grab your Bible. And stick some word in your heart. Pray going down the road on your way to work. Let the Holy Ghost fill up your automobile. Let it fill up your kitchen, ma'am. Let it fill up the bedroom where you're, where you're getting ready. I'm telling you right now, that shield had to be 
anointed with an oil on a regular basis or it would deteriorate and the soldier would lose his life without anointing upon the leather. Could I preach to you on this Wednesday night? I don't know of a more important point to make tonight than to tell you that the shield of faith ought to be anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost and the love of God and the anointing of God upon your life, it will protect you from the wiles of the devil. Somebody ought to shout amen. Honey, there ain't nothing like a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing that will heal you like the fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing that will keep you like a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, when you walk out of here on Sunday and you've been in the power of God, you feel like you could hell, storm hell with a water pistol. Uh, the preacher Sunday morning said you could take on hell with a snowball. Well, you feel like that when you come out. But you let Monday morning get here and you meet the Monday morning blues on your job and you, you, you walk into all the problems and the situations and the employees and the debt and the things that you got to go through, you're wondering where God is. Let me tell you. It's the anointing that will carry you through. It's the power of God that will carry you through. It's the anointing that will hold up and will, 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 will put the wiles of the devil at bay. Just the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Faith that is ignored. Listen to me. Faith that is ignored will break and fall to pieces in the confrontation with the enemy. That's why you got to, you know what the Bible said in the book of Jude? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want you to hear me now. Go read the book of Jude. Praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? You pray till the anointing of God comes on you. It's okay to cry. I said it's okay to cry. I'm a crybaby. Very seldom do I get down to pray before God that I don't weep before the Lord. It's okay to be brokenhearted. It's okay to empty yourself. Because you see, what I'm doing when I do that, when I kneel down by my recliner, I kneel down in my office, or when I'm driving down the road praying and tears start streaming down my face, and I tell this congregation every once in a while, you see me and I'm talking, I ain't talking to nobody and I ain't going crazy, I'm talking to God. Okay, I hadn't lost my mind, but let me just tell you something. When the anointing comes, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna put the the, the anointing on my shield because I'm gonna need that in the days to come. I may need that in the next hour to come, but I'm gonna have the shield of faith anointed. Past revivals won't work. Past Sundays won't work. Past commitments won't work. Past victories won't work. Past prayer meetings won't work. It's got to be fresh. I, 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 love, I love reading the story. I, I, and, and, of course, we all, those of you who are reading the Bible through, you know this. You, you've read it just recently how God would, would send manna to, to Israel. And, and it just, it's just amazing how God works. He... he uh, he would send them manna, and he would say, you can pick up manna every day of the week. Just get, get something fresh. 
But on day six, go get enough for two days because you can't work on day seven. I, I was reading the Bible this morning. I stopped and I thought, my Lord, have mercy. I, I read where one Israelite went and got with a, a, a woman of a foreign country to the Israelites and brought her into his tent. And, and, and the priest's son walked in there and ran a sword through both of them. Killed them both so that God's judgment wouldn't come on. I'm telling you, they killed just like it was nothing. And God would kill people just so fast. Go read it. I'm so glad I ain't there. We'd all been dead. We'd all died in the Old Testament. I'm serious. I'm, you go read it. It's, it's pretty bloody. You know what? There's nothing like a fresh anointing of God. A New Testament experience. A.W. Tozer implored the church to remain that fresh and on this is what he said. He preached a sermon one time on backsliding and said there's things that take place when a man begins to backslide. When you quit oiling your shield. He, here, here's what happens. He said you lose interest in communion with God. You become bored with church. I didn't say this, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, if a man is backsliding, he's embarrassed by the zeal of other Christians that they display. He's embarrassed when things of God are brought up in social settings. If he's backsliding, he assumes a critical spirit toward everything related to the kingdom of God. If he's backsliding, he has a tendency to become professional in his relationship with God, and he gets tired of giving, and he soon stops because it has become a mere habit for him. I thought he had it tagged pretty good. You know, preachers can be guilty of backsliding too, and not even be aware when they're just going through the motions. I don't ever, I've I told God today, I don't want to just talk tonight. I don't want to just say things to entertain people tonight. I want to be anointed of the Holy Ghost. I want the words that come out of my mouth tonight be the Word of God, something that will stick deep in the Spirit. I don't care how much you think I know or don't know. I'm not here to show you my knowledge. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a great prophet. I'm not an apostle. I want to tell you what I am. I want to be used of God as a preacher of righteousness in the 21st century. That's all I'm looking for. But preachers can, how you know when a preacher's backslid? Well, he no longer preaches with any conviction. I'm preaching now. I'm preaching to me. He no longer preaches what he used to preach in the past because he's embarrassed by his heartfelt convictions. His prayer life has become functional and that of just duty. His ministry's gotten far from social or, or far more social than it has spiritual. God, don't let it happen to me. His schedule is filled with insignificant instead of the magnificent. And he no longer gives himself to deep thinking about the things of God. He no longer muses over the old hymns that resonate with deep theology. And he no longer pursues unction instead of and instead he pursues eloquence. I'm not after eloquence. I don't care what you think of me. I'm not after your money. I want an old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon me, and I want it upon you. 
A.W. Tozer wrote all that, and I thought it was pretty powerful. There has to be a fresh anointing on me and on you. We all need it. I got to have it. You got to have it. Here's what Paul said. Let me hurry now. He said, he talked about fiery darts. The darts of the devil are terrible to contend with. You hear me? He can throw some stuff. The arrows and darts that the enemy hurls in our direction aren't just normal arrows. Paul noted that the way that battles raged in Roman times and knew that devils attacked were just as deadly. And here's what happened. Warfare in ancient times, look it up, led soldiers to do one of two things with arrows. First, they would take the arrows and dip them in pitch and set them on fire and shoot them at their enemies. And when the burning arrow hit the target, the pitch would splatter and the fire and ignite whatever was around it. Secondly, they would dip their arrow in a poisonous fluid of differing types so that it would poison the soldier that it hit. But Paul noted that this was the way the devil worked. He would use his wiles and use his methods to destroy whatever he could. One man said it this way, temptation does not fall on us as a ball of fire on ice or snow, but as a spark on tinder or as a lightning on a thatched roof, which presently is on a flame. The devil sends temptation and has fiery darts and, and he qualifies them with his evil ways and he will send them in a most devastating manner to destroy your faith and take you down no matter what he has to do. James said in 1.13, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God don't tempt you. But every man is tempted. Every man is tempted. Notice what he said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So, before you set out on a semester of sensuality, before you go lower to feel better or feel higher, before you trade in godly character for hip distortion, consider these wise words from an unlikely source. A man by the name of Oscar Wilde wrote this, The gods had given me almost everything. But I let myself be lured in the long spells of senseless, senseless and sensual ease. Tired of being on the heights, I deliberately went to the depths in search for new sensation. The paradox was to me in the sphere of thought. Perversity became to me in the sphere of passion. I grew careless of the lives of others. I took pleasure where it pleased me and passed on. I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character, and that, therefore, what one has done in the secret chamber, one has someday to cry aloud from the housetop. I ceased to be lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my soul and did not know it. 
I allowed pleasure to dominate me. I ended in horrible disgrace. This is the way the devil works. He causes a maddening to come to the soul. And we are literally, we are literally without a covering when we lose our faith. The devil can manipulate you and he can do what he wants to when you allow him for your own lust and by your own human ways to destroy your life. you got to watch out for the fiery darts. you got to take heed of what the devil's tools are. You, the Bible said we are not ignorant of his devices. You're not stupid. You know when it's God and when it's not. Come on now. You know what's right and what's wrong. Take care in becoming overconfident. Take care in whatever darts he sends that are swiftly to appear. Take care in understanding, understanding. You know what? In all of your praying, pray for understanding. Are you hearing me on this Wednesday night? Somebody said, pray for knowledge. No, no, no. In all of thy praying, pray for, Paul, the Proverbs said this. Proverbs said, in all of thy getting, get understanding. Everybody say, Lord, give us understanding. You've got to understand where we are. Understand the times we live in. See, these are, these are things the devil's shooting, and, and, and it's wounding, and it's killing, and that's the nature. I don't know if you know this or not, but the devil hates us. The devil hates us. When he smiles and slaps you on the back and says, oh, that's good. You, you know good and well that's not good. Amen. Praise God. So if any sinner or backslider could ever understand that the world and the flesh and the devil are all against you. Get up every day knowing that you're in a battle. Quenching, the quenching nature of the shield is your faith. The quenching. Paul affirms that, and I'm hurrying to a close. i got just a few minutes. He, the quenching nature. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed, notice this, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the young. There's some who are quite overconfident in their walk. And they think that the devil can't get to them. You better walk clothed in humility. Knowing that you could fall. And knowing that the devil can get to you if you give him one inch. Amen. The shield of faith will quench the dark. When we are clothed with humility and realize that our fight will never be successful if we try to wage it on our own. Oh, I'm not afraid. Look, let me tell you something. This is not in the scripture for nothing. I believe it's 1 Peter 5 and 8 where Peter said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about, or as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The Lord gave us warning. Nobody's got it made yet. I don't know anybody here that's heard the pearly gates click behind your heels yet. Could I just say it in good old southern vernacular? You ain't there yet, baby. 
you got some work to do. I got some work to do. But when I get up in the morning, I'm going to slip my shoes on, slip my pants on, slip my shirt on, comb what few hairs I got left, look presentable to the world, and I'm going, I'm going out in this world. But let me tell you, I'm not doing it before I slip on my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and my breastplate of righteousness and my helmet of salvation. And I won't walk out until I have anointed my, sh my shield and I've got it good and tender and I've got it ready for the enemy because I'm going to war. When I You say, I'm just going to work. No, you're going to war. You're going to war. You're going to war. Where do you think that evil thought came from? Where do you think? Where do you think that, that trial came from? Where do you think? You ever heard that old thing, the phone call from God many years ago? You ever heard that? So what'd you do when you when you hit your finger with a hammer, you know? You didn't exactly praise God. You gotta be careful because the devil will attack anyway. I'm hurrying. The shield quenches the fire darts when we followed the directive of John. And here's what he said. I'm going to, I'm going to herd you real close. 1 John 2, verse 15 says this. Put this up here because you need to see this. Love not the world. Everybody say, love not the world. And the Lord said, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Just anoint your shield and walk out into this world and know that the devil can't touch you. I want to give you a little thought. It's simple. I've said it before. It's so simple, but I'm just a simple preacher. But here's what it is. I read that scripture a thousand times, and I've never seen one piece of armor go on the backside of a man because in his army there is no retreat. He's don't, he don't give you any room to turn around and head the other way. He just says, forward march. Everything that you're going to put on in this spiritual warfare is to, is to go forward and to move on in and to say, God, I got this. I got it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me. The shield of faith quenches the fiery dart, and it helps the saint of God far beyond what the eye can see. Hebrews eleven twenty four said, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He saw it down the road. Go read. Go read the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Go read. Just go. It, some of the greatest things that we can lean upon are those that walked with the shield of faith. They, they, they destroyed the fiery works of the enemy, the darts of the enemy. 
and they did exploits and they did miracles and they conquered countries and they were great leaders and, 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 and they, they were looking constantly to a higher calling and a city whose builder and maker was God. Go read about Daniel, but the Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel, the Bible, oh, I'm going to preach on this one night. I'm going to preach on this one night. This scripture has been on me for weeks now. The Bible said in him was found an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. And the Bible said the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Ah, I could preach a while longer. But Hebrews eleven thirteen said these all died in faith. They all died with a shield. Not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They, they, they just kept walking with their armor, but their shield was anointed. Their shield was taken care of. You got to keep the shield ready for battle. Every morning, say it with me, every morning, every evening, every night. The devil, you never know when he's going to attack. Keep your shield anointed and be ready for battle. Father, I pray for all of us. I pray the Holy Ghost would come on us. I pray the power of God would be on us. I pray that we would understand this war that we're in. God, it's raging inside of every one of us. We have struggles that we tell nobody else. But we can tell them to you. And we understand where we are. But we know that you're able to see us through every situation. Every circumstance. Everything that comes against us. Lord Jesus, help this church to understand the power of the armor of God, but more than anything, above all, the anointing of God and the shield of faith. Keep our faith strong. After all, Lord, it was you that said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? I want you to find it here at Christian Life Church. And I want you to find it living and dwelling in every one of us that we could withstand the enemy attack and hold up the shield that we love so dearly. In Jesus' name, grant it. And everybody here said amen.